Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney on this Labor Day Monday night. What's up, brother? How are you? Um, I'm good. I, I enjoyed uh, Labor Day weekend. I thoroughly enjoyed the football this weekend, which we're about to talk about. Um, but I broke some rules. I broke man rules, Andrew. Hmm. I, um, you know, my friend Luke. Yeah. Uh, you've met Luke, West Ham United supporter. Mm-hmm. And himself and his wife, he had us out at their place in Long Island. They have a lovely backyard. They were. He was he was grilling, Andrew. He was grilling chicken. And he left the grill unmanned. He started the chicken. And I went over, I lifted the grill, and I flipped all the chicken. Oh my God. Why would you do that? Because I felt enough time had elapsed and he should turn it. And like I mean, you can ask Darcy or or anyone who's been around our place in the last few years when I've barbecued. I'm good at it. <laughs> but it but it was so wrong of me. So wrong so rude and then i went into the kitchen and he was making a, a, a like a kind of asian sauce on the hob and it was bubbling a bit i just instinctively picked it up and shook it a bit so so what? to stir it up what what what's gotten into you oh uh, disgraceful behavior and then he went to the bathroom and you said oh you know you're wiping all wrong here let me help <laughs> wrong no but from the, i mean wiping arses is another thing uh Actually, manhandling. When someone's invited you over and they're going to cook for you, you don't just get stuck in yourself. But it was just overwhelming. I like it's like something possessed me. And then I made the joke. I said, "Look, if you'd found me and your wife together on the sofa, you couldn't be much more mad than you are right now." And he said, "No, <laughs> Jesus." Well, yeah. I, I, so it, this be- is it begs the question: How was the chicken? Amazing. I, I'm rooting for you to have ruined it. Is that no. wrong? No, no, no. It was amazing. It was really, really good. Um, 
Luke did a great job. It's fantastic. And he made potatoes, which, which not to ethnically profile myself, but I I really do like them like a lot. And right at the end, uh, there was quite a few left. And I was just sat there with my plate and I asked him, like, like a child at a birthday party, asking for more cake. I was like, can I finish those? And I just housed the rest of the potatoes. Well, that's okay. I'm okay with that. But the other stuff, yeah, you can't. It's not okay. You can't do those things. At least you're no. self-aware enough to understand that what you did was wrong. I know. But at what point does the self-awareness lead to self-control? That's, well, that's I mean, I, I'd I like to believe, you know, you're a grown man. I'd like to believe that you're there. And if you're not there already, then you probably never will be. I am I th- a child. I think, now, I guess the, the ethical question is, if you're watching someone grilling, at their, and it's at their house. And I'm not saying he did anything wrong. Just as a just as throwing a question out there hypothetically. If you're watching someone grilling and you know you're 100% sure that what they're doing is about to ruin the meal that they're making, do you interfere? You got to step in. I don't. I I'm I let it happen. I allow it oh to happen. Oh my, that is well that, I mean that is that is another level of pathology. Unless like unless would... a, unless they're going to kill me with undercooked meat. Then I'll then I'll say, but I like my stuff medium rare for the most part anyway. Although chicken, you know, you got to be careful with chicken. But uh, like, I, I, I'll yeah. allow it to happen, and I'll just say, you know what? It's not your place. And if it turns out to be a bad meal, it'll only make you appreciate the good ones more. Which is almost a beautiful metaphor for some of the games we're going to talk about: appreciating the good ones more. Well, let's get into them because uh, it was it was another really fun weekend. Uh, we got a lot of Premier League to talk to. We're going to do a little. I know it's it's kind of in the rearview mirror, but we haven't had a pod since the um, the transfer window shut. Now it is still open in a few leagues, but the the primary one, although the Saudi Arabian one, is pretty much as impactful as any other. <laughs> but we'll we'll talk about the Premier League, La Liga, oh, th- that that window, um, and we'll look back on a couple of our winners and losers from the that period. Um, a few other things as well, but let's dive right in, JJ. Uh, boy, what a fun! I thought it was a really fun Arsenal Manchester United match on Sunday. Really enjoyed it. I, I would I would agree with you. And I saw a tweet from someone saying, uh, "Is is is Arsenal is the Emirates suddenly one of the best atmospheres in the league?" And I would have to say, as someone who visited the early days of the Emirates, I would I would I would never thought we'd get to this place. But honestly. It really captures excitement, and I know late goals. <laughs> if late goals don't get a crowd and don't get a building exercised, then nothing will. But yeah. at the same time, I do think Arsenal has a same with the cheeky shout is one of the better atmospheres in the Premier League. Um, that was it, it. Was a great game. It was a very good finish. It was uh, one of those where we can use the term "fine margins." Andrew, fine oh. margins is an, another great football term. You know, there's fine margins in it, you know. Yeah, uh, if that and, goes I mean, in, in this case, quite literally. Very fine margins indeed. Um, and uh, it's and again, it's a game that's of divided opinion because I, I've emerged from it. And like when a game gets to me, like I love reading all the different opinions about it. And like, I, I saw one. Uh, I was reading Football 365 and the guys over there were convinced that United actually had played well in in the game. And then I thought, huh, okay, all right. And then I see Jonathan Wilson writing The Guardian and he thinks, no, uh, you can't call that a good performance. 
So like I'm I'm, I'm split between this the two sport. Things. This sport is weird like that. We've always said that two people can watch the same game and walk away from it with completely opposite opinions. It's just the, yeah. this sport is unique in that way. Almost, I think, compared to any other sport that I that I follow. And like, how can Arsenal? Like, it's amazing. Arsenal are going to come out with three one win over Manchester United in their own building. Like that's a, it's a that's a feel good win. And that all boats should rise with that tide. And yet I've never had a lower opinion of Kai Havertz in my life. <laughs> never. Yeah. Like he had a, he went through the whole thing. He went through the the I mean, he had a chance almost to be a redeeming person with that driving run in for the penalty, and it wasn't given, which I think was the correct decision. Um, I didn't think it was a penalty. Uh, but I mean, the whiff is the, you know, he, he comes out of this game. It's on the heels of Mikel Arteta basically saying he tries, he tried to Trey Turner him. I mean, that's what he did. He tried to get the crowd. Okay. Yeah. This guy's having a tough moment, but get behind him. It's what the yeah. Phillies, it's what happened with Trey Turner and the Phillies. He's been an MVP candidate since August 4th. And they're trying to do that with Kai Havertz. Get behind this guy. We know he's struggling, but he, he's a good player. And, you know, maybe the crowd will try. They're not going to boo him necessarily, but, you know, but he was his two moments that you take away from the game were him whiffing on a shot from about eight yards out in the middle of the box and him diving in, in trying to get a penalty. Now, I don't necessarily blame him for that because it looked like a penalty. And I don't it's one of those yeah. where I think ultimately he did dive. But I but like a lot of people would fall down in that situation with two bodies closing in on you in that way. Like, I, I don't it's not. It's it's a dive in that I don't know that there was contact that would force him to have dove other than him moving his foot out to try and trip, but like it was not an egregious one. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I I get you. I really do get you. It, it was it wasn't Jamie Vardy at the Emirates. Um, J- J- Jamie Vardy came to mind where uh, this weekend with the with the Eze penalty. Even though I think the Eze penalty at Crystal Palace, I I do think that was a penalty, and certainly on the second and third look, it it, it surely was. But Jamie Vardy used to, you know, he'd run into the box and then he, if you came close to him, he'd just like kick you and fall over. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. So like, it definitely wasn't that level of simulation. Um, but it was, it was a really interesting game because uh, I, I still leave this game thinking Arsenal are rickety and United are, are not in a great place. But I, I do understand that there's, you know, there's, there's different, uh, yeah, there's there's kind of different things at play for both sides. Um, I I thought that it it was if you are a Manchester United supporter who has accepted Eric Ten Hag is going to play a more advanced and more, or is going to try and play a more advanced and more uh, sustainable version of Ole Ball, which is let's be the best counting transition team in the league, then the two goals that they scored, I'm including the Garnacho offside goal, were perfect examples of that. Like United were in a within a hair's breadth of being able to say that was a great smash and grab or a great away performance. Uh, on the other hand, I thought Arsenal at times looked as if they could have blown United away. I, I, I think in the second half, United, uh, Arsenal put it together the best move of the game where the ball was centered from the right and it ends up, I think you can help me out here, Andrew, was it Saka or Nketiah? Hits it straight at Onana. Saka. Along Saka. In in like the 81st minute. Uh, that was a that was a fantastic move. Yeah. Fantastic uh, move. Yeah. Martinelli did great work with it. They got it out to the right. It was played in. And and yeah, Saka yeah. just kind of smashed it right at the at the keeper. And Arsenal's ability, like I 
in 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 days of yore and and not that long ago uh, as well so days of not yore if united go one nil up at the emirates what's happening to arsenal andrew i mean it's what troy dini talked about all those years ago is like you can just sense when they're they're done like they'll they'll they, roll over but but new no, that's not in them anymore there's a no. resiliency there and Odegaard, I love the way Odegaard finished that move as well. Just like so emphatic with his strike. Onana could do nothing about it. And and like it it was such a quick response. What was it? Uh, I think um less than a minute John, later. Yeah, John Champion said a, a punch to the to the jaw has been responded by, you know, he was doing boxing metaphors, and it was true, it was blow for blow. And but it it, it really should have sucked the life out of United more, but they were resolute. Um until they weren't, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that Odegaard goal, that's a great captain's goal. Like, the chips are a little bit against you. You've just been scored upon. And for him to come back and score the way that he did so emphatically, it just that was a huge moment in that game. And, you know, props to Martinelli, too, because he was somewhat at fault for the United goal just seconds earlier. And then he comes back, sort of sets up the move with that quick little one-two, then gets the ball back in the box and just sees Odegaard coming in, makes a perfect pass to him. And just like that, it's 1-1. That was a huge moment in this game. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, but I keep I keep thinking about, like, Ten Hag was so pleased with the Rashford goal, which was an excellent goal. Like, a really good break, swift counter. Um, and nice, very nice was, finish, too. Yeah, and he would have been absolutely delighted with the, with the I was going to say the Hoyland goal, but Hoyland's part in the, in the Garnacho goal. I mean, that was a really clever, smart move, too. So, like, on one hand, if this is what United are going to be, you can already see that in them. But, you know, the, the midfield still seems too leggy. Like Ericsson and Casemiro together. Declan Rice was brilliant. And you look at you look at Declan Rice and you're like, that is definitely the player that Sir Alex Ferguson in like 2004 or 2005 would have bought. You know, you know when he went out and got Michael Carrick after Roy Keane left? Mm-hmm. That's what he would have done then. That's what Manchester United would have done then. But it's the the suppose the league has changed so much, and United just don't. United used to be like a magnet for these players. That's no longer the case. And and Rice was like Arsenal. Arsenal dominated the midfield, dominated the ball. Um, and and that's why on one hand, people who say, well, you know, Arsenal got their just desserts in the end. I can see what they mean. You do. I can see what they mean. Um, albeit very, very late. Yeah. Huge moment for Declan Rice as well. Um, oh, massive. I mean, yeah, a little little fortunate. Just kind of smashed one in there. But that's sometimes that's I think I think it's okay to do that sometimes. If you have space like he did, no one from United really sought to close him out on that. You see a lot of bodies in front of the goal. I don't think it's the worst thing to just say, you know what, I'm going to smash the hell out of this thing and see if maybe I get a deflection that goes my way. And it's it's exactly what happened. It's a huge thing for a guy on that. You know, there's a lot of pressure, I think. And he's acknowledged it too. When you sign for a club for $105 million, you know, like it, it wasn't his choice to cost that much. But ultimately, you you are what your price tag is and the fans are going to view you in, in that way, whether it's fair or not. And so with that comes a ton of pressure. Um, mm. So for him to score a winner against Manchester United early in the season like this, coming off of a rough performance for Arsenal, they they needed this. I mean, it's early, but it felt like this was this was an important game for both of these teams. Um, and I think for him to get that, it's sort of like a, a little bit of a, 
oh, okay, I have my moment now where like the fans are behind me. Like I can, I can just play now. I don't have to worry about the price tag. Like people are on my side now. I feel like that's, that's a really big deal for a guy who's going to cost that much to have something like that in his back pocket. Yeah. To deliver a big moment that early in, in your Arsenal career is, it's got to be very satisfying. And he looked, he looked, he looked very pleased with himself and, and, and we all know how don't really love his face beaming with any kind of joy considering he is a, a traitor. Um, I have to ask you, Andrew, what, uh, how do I phrase this without sounding like a complete novice? Which NBA team or player executed the screen uh, the best, would you say? Um, that's a good question. So I always remember when I was a student at Syracuse, um, there was a player there in their starting lineup. Like they had, I was there during a very good time where they had really dynamic talent, mellow, yeah. Jerry McNamara, Hakeem Warwick, Josh Pace. Like they had really cool, fun players. And then they had this other guy who started all these games, Craig Forth. He was like a seven foot one, just big white guy who didn't really right. do anything. He didn't score. He didn't rebound. He didn't block shots. He was, but he started. And so whenever you would talk to people, oh, Mello, what a score. Oh, Josh Pace, he's so great off the bench. Hakeem, what a dunker. What about Forth? Well, he sets, he sets a nice pick. That was the only thing that people really had to say about him. So I guess he would, it's not the answer you're looking for, but he would be my answer. Was there an element of, 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 uh, of that? Or maybe I'm getting my, my, ter- my basketball terms mi- mixed up when uh, Gabrielle was hindering Johnny Evans getting out to uh, Declan Rice. Oh, you know what? I, I just... have to look at it again. I don't know if that was really something that I focused in on. Yeah. I mean, it ended up in the bulk kind of wrestling a bit, but it definitely was um, Gabrielle kind of stopping him from getting across in what looked like a kind of a, I was about, actually, forget NBA. It was more of a, maybe it was like, uh, you know, trying to stop the pass rush, something like that. But I, yeah, I'm so but, uncomfortable comparing Gabriel Jesus to Craig Forth. If you Googled him right now, you'd be like, no, this is not a comparison that works. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, it was one of the one of the the decisions that uh, Eric Ten Hag had a good old moan about uh, after the game, and uh, it's as if all right, that was a demoralizing defeat for Manchester United in its nature because it's right there for you. It's, it's I mean, a, they they thought for a few minutes that they won the game. They they absolutely did. Oh, they did. The way they celebrated, the way the way the away end popped off, it was. A thousand percent that, and so it was galling then, uh, for that to be all turned on its head. Um, but that's bad enough. Then to come off the field and for more shenanigans to happen this time in the in the online space, um, where the manager then is contradicted directly and in an aggressive fashion, a, a prompt and aggressive fashion by one of their best paid players in Jaden Sancho. Yeah. Um, this is, this is not good. This uh, isn't good. So Jaden Sancho did not make the trip to the no. Emirates for this game. He was not picked in the squad. He was dropped. And so um, Ten Hag obviously was asked to explain the decision to do that. And he said, Jaden on his performances and training, we did not select him. You have to reach a level every day at Manchester United, and we can make choices in the front line. So for this game, he was not selected. Uh, that is that 
that is a big indictment. It's one thing for a player to maybe like if, you know, a manager can say we just didn't, you know, like the matchup. Maybe he's not fully fit, something like that. Yeah. But this is, I mean, reading between the lines a little bit, like it's a direct attack on someone's professionalism, essentially. It, it, it a thousand percent is you're calling the professionalism of Jaden Sancho into question. He did not really wait around to respond. Uh, please don't believe everything you read. He wrote on his Instagram. I will not allow people saying things that is completely untrue. I have conducted myself in training very well this week. I believe there are other reasons for this matter that I won't go into. I've been a scapegoat for a long time, which isn't fair. All I want to do is play football with a smile on my face and contribute contribute to my team. I respect all decisions that are made by the coaching staff. Mm, do you? I play with fantastic players and grateful to do so, which I know every week is a challenge. I will continue to fight for this badge no matter what. I mean, you clearly do not respect all the coaching staff and their decisions. If you're telling, if you're basically saying that the manager is, is, is lying about the reasons that you haven't been included in the squad for this game. But it's just, it's one thing after another. And then today in the Brazilian press, there was uh, details um, rather shocking and disturbing details by the former girlfriend of Anthony um, about his, essentially his domestic abuse. I have those here. If, if you believe it's, it warrants reading them. Do we need to um, put a warning on this? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, it's, I think it's important. This is for, I'll just yeah. read it from Go the on. guardian. Uh, this is straight from the guardian. Uh, Gabriela Cavalin who provided Brazilian publication UOL with photographs and WhatsApp messages, alleged the Sao Paulo-born player had first attacked her on June 1st last year when she was pregnant with their child and on holiday in Brazil. She claimed Anthony, who's 23, became angry after spotting her in a nightclub that he was also at and, quote, put her in the car, repeatedly assaulted her, and threatened to throw her out of the car at high speed. Cavalin told UOL, quote, he said that if I wasn't going to be with him, I wouldn't be with anyone. I was shaking with fear. A second alleged attack, a second alleged attack allegedly took place in Manchester on January 15th this year, one day after United's 2-1 victory against Manchester City. According to the report, it left Cavalin needing medical attention in her room at the four-star Hyatt Regency Hotel. Quote, he punched me in the breast and my silicone uh, silicon implant flipped over, she told the website, adding, uh, he said, I didn't mean to hurt you. It was an accident. It wasn't a punch. I just held you against the wall. A photograph showed what Cavalin said was a head wound she had sustained in the attack. This is obviously, this is terrible. Um, if she does in fact, if she does in fact have photographic evidence and WhatsApp messages corroborating this, it's, it's, I mean, Manchester United, they had, they had just rid themselves of the Mason Greenwood situation and they found themselves right back into the same situation all over again. And Brazil dropping Anthony from their squad. I mean, I think it, it puts Manchester United in quite a position where I think that, I think we all know where, let's be honest, JJ, we've, we've now, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of these situations, these domestic violence situations, things like that. We all know where this is heading. All right. And and now it's kind of in a place where are Manchester United going to going to address this quickly or is this going to drag out and make them look worse and worse? Because, again, 
like I talked about in the Greenwood situation, all I can go off of in, in making my own judgments is the evidence that's in front of me, you know, and right now that's what I'm reading here from the guardian and, and UOL and seeing these reports uh, about what happened here. And it's, and it's really, really bad, really bad. Uh, I think United have to act. I, 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 think, I, think, so. I think that they just dealt with a, a, P, a bit of a PR nightmare that maybe they narrowly avoided the worst of it because in the end they did get there and they, and they let him go. They let Mason Greenwood go. But I, I think that I think they have to act so they don't find themselves in an even worse situation. And what's more is you see these things now happening right on the back of one another. I mean, yeah. it's almost like we're, we're looking at a club that it feels like needs some kind of reboot in terms of yeah. like the, the person they're the personnel they're bringing in the character of player. I, I don't know. Maybe it's hard to know. Maybe they thought they knew these guys. You can't know everything that's going on behind closed doors. Who knows? But it just feels like some of what's going on there right now, it's, it's such an ugly stain on a club with such a, a proud history. I, I got to think United supporters, people who work within the club, they got to be ashamed right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I think this is ex- especially problematic for Ten Hag First, in the first instance, you know, the reporting that came out by the Athletic was that he was broadly encouraging of a return to the team from Mason Greenwood. And that for for Mason Greenwood, obviously that didn't happen. But the fact that that's even out there is is damaging to me. I think it calls his calls his character into question. Anthony is a player that he. And I'm not saying he knew anything about this. I, I'm not suggesting that. But he is a player that uh, Ten Hag advocated for and made sure United signed at a a significant price tag. And the fact that he hasn't been good, and now this... Um, and again, I feel so uncomfortable conflating this issue and, you know, kind of bringing it into, well, look at the mess Manchester United are in. But, like, I'm just... I don't know how I can't really. It's 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 sure. all kind of like coming together, and you talked about reboots and uh, uh, again, Jonathan Wilson wrote a piece in the Guardian about like like when are Manchester United going to take responsibility for the for the mess that they found them in? And now he wasn't referring to the Anthony incident; it was generally football matters. But now this is rumbling on. Um, I think they have to act. I think they they have to do do what they did in the Greenwood case, and he has to be suspended immediately. Yeah, I think that I'm not saying that he should be, you know, released from the squad, but I no, do no, no. Think but, that while while an investigation is is ongoing, you know, they can release some sort of statement saying we think it would be in everybody's best interest for Anthony to be essentially sidelined uh indefinitely while we while both the authorities and us here at the club can conduct an investigation into what happened, something to that effect. Yeah. Because uh, I just think that while this is going on, it's it's an ugly look to have him out there playing. And if he scores, everybody hugging him and celebrating and he's, you know, being championed. Uh, you just can't have that right now. No, I agree with you. And um, yeah, just it's as if full to the full-time whistle went and then it just still got worse for United. So yeah, um, yeah. a uh, slightly darker, uh, not slightly, very dark uh, finish to... Uh, you know, our analysis of what was a good game we took. My last question for you on this, um, okay. sort of a bigger question, Arsenal and Manchester United. I like to lean on you in, in matters of historical context. Oh, um, Arsenal United to me, 
it has the feel of like a classic rivalry because it's sort of the time when I was really coming into my own as a Premier League fan, starting to see it on television in the United States more in like the early 2000s, like the Invincibles era, Fergie mm. still at his peak. It felt, it just, those games felt so big. To yes. Me. What I want to ask you is, there's a generation of soccer fan, of Premier League fan, that is going to feel that way about Liverpool and Manchester City. But you and right. I know that's not a historical rivalry. That's a rivalry of the era, of the moment. Correct. Arsenal, Manchester United, was it a rivalry of the moment? Or is that is it truly a historical rivalry? I, I I think it's it was of the moment in the sense that all of a sudden United had this this shark in the tank when Wenger arrived. They had a true creditor. They didn't have that for maybe the first five to five years of of from the time they won the first Premier League in 92, 93. They didn't have that. And then all of a sudden they had, I mean, I know Blackburn won a league and Newcastle mm-hmm. came and went, but like there was nobody really, they looked as if United were going to be dominant. So it was of the moment in, in terms of like Wenger, this kind of the Wenger versus Fergie rivalry. That was definitely of the moment. Now, historically, to go back to the 70s, they definitely had a kind of a rivalry. They met in FA Cup finals. Um, but I, I do think that that was of the moment because um, towards the end of the 80s and the 90s with George Graham's Arsenal sides, their big rivalry rivalry was Liverpool. That was the team that they were trying to, to defeat. It wasn't really, um, it wasn't United, albeit there was an amazing punch-up in 1990 at Old Trafford. Huge brawl, enormous brawl, um, where, uh, like, on the field, um, which at the time was shown as, uh, you know, the moral decline of England and football and Football was a game for thugs and the working class, etc. But there was no, there wasn't a sustained rivalry between them in that era. That that was, I mean, everything's of the of an era, really, Andrew. If you want to break well, it down that way, I, but yes and no. I mean, the North London derby is is a forever rivalry. Uh, the Merseyside derby, for however friendly you say you suggest that sometimes it is, I think is is a forever rivalry. Liverpool Manchester right. United is a yeah. forever rivalry. But there are these blips, these moments in time where a, a couple clubs emerge like Liverpool and City and those yeah. games for 5 years or whatever it is are are clearly the biggest games on the calendar and then they're not and then like things change and and they no, no longer you're right. and it's a moment in time. No, I'm not like on the totality of Arsenal versus Manchester United down through the years uh, um that was Wenger versus Fergie. That rivalry from 1997 till 2005. Uh, yeah, we'll go. We'll go to that. We'll just cut it off at 2005. Yeah, that was a genuine. That was a genuine rivalry, and it was a rivalry, definitely of circumstance and of the era. Again, like I said, United seemingly dominating the Premier League, then Arsenal, a sleeping giant of sorts. They change manager to bring in the cerebral Frenchman from the Japanese, um, from the J League. And everything changes. Yeah. So yeah, that that was very much of the era. And I think it was so impactful in that era that it resonates right through to today. I think people I think, still feel a certain way about when these teams play. It's funny, and I don't mean to to denigrate the Premier League or the lore of the Premier League, but there are if I was picking three or four things that I would that that I would that I would say gives the Premier League a lot of its lore is built on. It's it's Arsenal versus Manchester United, uh, Keane versus Vieira, Fergie versus Wenger, 
um, Newcastle's collapse in 1996, two Newcastle versus Liverpool games that were like 4-3 and 5-4 or whatever. That that stuff is doing a lot of heavy lifting, let me tell you. <laughs> if you watch any highlights compilation package um, that the Premier League, Premier League uh, Productions puts out, that stuff is really, really doing a lot of heavy lifting for, for the lore and the history of, of, of the Premier League. Well, let's continue now. We'll zip through some of these other ones, JJ. How about Nottingham Forest? Good for Matt Turner, getting his first Premier League shutout and doing so at Stamford Bridge. They go in there and they come out with a 1-0 win over Chelsea. Chelsea, what? Yeah. what is up with this club? Something just, the manager has changed, a lot of personnel has changed, but something continues to be off with them. And I, I'm thinking about it. So in in... In just this summer's transfer window, they spent over a little over four hundred thirty-four million pounds. That's a record. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I see that number, and I just I can't help it. I keep thinking about the same thing. Chelsea spent four hundred thirty-four million pounds. Where are the sure thing superstars? Right. That amount of money. Where are the sure thing superstars? Like, I'm maybe they have ones that will emerge one day. Like, Enzo Fernandez could become one. You know, they have like Raheem Sterling was now, I'm not sure. Maybe he can become one again. But, like, if you're going to spend that kind of money, I need a Holland, I, I need an Mbappe. Like, that, that is such an obscene amount of money to spend in one window. I just can't get past the fact that, like, wh- what is it right now that they have to show for it? Okay, maybe Moises Caicedo will become that. But I'll tell you this right now, and I think very highly of him. He's terrible right now. I don't know what's going on there. Awful touch to, to, in, in the buildup right. to Forrest's first goal. Um, you know, Nicholas Jackson. Like, okay, maybe he'll become good. He's had a, a couple moments, but, like, He's your guy up front right now. This is from who scored. Nicholas Jackson's lost uh, he's lost possession as a result of an unsuccessful touch more times per game than any other player in the Premier League this season. Five times per game he loses possession uh, because of a bad touch. Like it's just I just I can't help removing the money that they've spent from the product that I'm seeing. And when I just see that figure, let alone by the way the fact that they spent o- over a billion in the Bowley range. In a year. Yeah. yeah, like put that aside. I'm just talking about now. But like, even go back further. Like, I just can't get over the fact that if you're going to spend that kind of money, I need a sure thing, and they don't yeah. right now. They they can't deliver that. So, so to me, this is like the this is the end product of first of all having Todd Bowley being responsible for uh, not for not for the entire period, but for a large period of uh of the of of his regime in in terms of transfers. They've like. It's a hodgepodge, Andrew. It's it's um, like, for example, who would have thought that the spine of your side of Chelsea, uh, the spine of a team that is looking to contend or get back into contention for the Champions League, will be Robert Sanchez, Thiago Silva, Conor Gallagher, and Jackson up front. Like, who thought the the ideal centre midfield pairing for Chelsea would be Moises Caicedo? And Connor Gallagher, like literally nobody. What's happened here is they've looked to buy young. They've looked to get prospects because that's clearly how Bowley wants to do it. He wants to. He wants longer contracts. They've literally, they've done what you said. Like the word you didn't use was the word that was implied about your sure things. 
where are the veterans? Where are the experienced players? If you look at this team, they're all nearly under, apart from Sterling, they're all nearly, and Silva, obviously, they're all nearly, they're all under 25. So I think the average age of the squad this past weekend was 24.5 years old. Okay. Which is very young. And by the way, that might that might be good. Like Pochettino, we know from his track record, is good at molding young talent. Yeah, but it's not going to happen overnight. It just won't happen overnight. And maybe Bully, maybe he's maybe they're okay with that. Like we're sitting here looking for immediate results because we know we view Chelsea in a certain way. They're good every year. Chelsea should always be contending for titles. We're still of an Abramovich mindset. And by the way, Bully is spending Abramovich dollars, but maybe he just has different methodology. I'm not building for today. Well, I'm building for the long haul. Yeah, and what he's trying to do as well, but if you look at some of the acquisitions they're trying to make, like the absolute goal, the nerve of Chelsea to try and buy such a significant stake in Sporting Lisbon, a club that has as much, if maybe not recently, but more history than Chelsea and was a far bigger contender in European competitions for most of its life than Chelsea ever were. Like, so, not first of all, that's annoying and doesn't understand football and how football works and the importance of, you know, of sovereign, other sovereign nations and sovereign leagues and sovereign clubs. But park that for a second. That's a window into what he wants to do. He doesn't want to do what you're doing. You're suggesting make sure you've got guys who are experienced and are, let's use the word, sure things, like what Chelsea used to have and scattered all over their park. What he wants to do is he wants to set up farm systems, farm clubs, and bring in youth players. He's treating this team like they're the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he doesn't want to pay a premium for players. Well, I say that he doesn't want to pay a premium. He is paying a premium for players. But <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, well, what he wants to do is load up with youth, is what I mean, and put them on these long contracts. Mm-hmm. But that's what he wants to do, and if you want to do that, that's this is the kind of team you're going to end up with. And I also, like, this isn't Pochettino's vision. Pochettino's, you know those um, cooking shows where um, you're basically given uh, 20 seconds. Actually, no, you're not given 20 seconds. That's a different cooking show. They give you the ingredients and you just have to make something. Come, isn't it, don't they do that with Beat I think that's a round on Beat, Beat Bobby Flay or one of these. So you're given the pieces and you just have to make up something out of it. Now, that's essentially what Pochettino has been asked to do here. Like, it, none of it makes any sense. Like, Ben Chilwell, Caicedo, Conor Gallagher, Raheem Sterling and Enzo Fernandez. What? Levi Caldwell, Thiago Silva and, uh, like, just, no. It's, it's it's all over the place. And it's not it's not Pochettino's vision yet. Now, I I think what Pochettino, the squad is still too big, in my view. There's still too much. Um, and like some like some of the names on the bench, I just I don't know, don't know who they are, what they do, where they're from. Like I it's just been just such a massive churn for Chelsea. I'm not surprised that they're not looking like that. Now, on another day, they could have they could have beaten Forest. Like absolutely. Um, I mean they racked up something like 21 shots, although only two of them on target. Yeah, and Forrest, to their credit, had three. But look, this is this is a tough one for Pochettino. Like I, I definitely think after what he went through in PSG, he was looking for something a little bit different. I just hope they give him the time, 
let him trim that squad further. Like he, it's it's going to have to be molded. A lot of these faces are not going to be here down the line. They can't be, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like I said, he's been given ingredients, some of which he didn't ask for, and he's been asked to just put it all together. Yeah, and he might. I mean, it's still early, and it's like you said, it's a it's a bit of a hodgepodge. And so it might it might just take a little bit. We might be talking a couple months from now, and maybe he'll have figured out what his eleven are, and uh, and they'll be and they'll start rolling. But all we know is that for this this kind of um, emphasis on youth, he is spending like we've never seen before. And I, as much as Chelsea fans are now telling us all about amortization. <laughs> And all those things and how that can delay the the um the triggers of FFP. I don't know how this has been done. Well do not they, know. Until if they qualify for Europe, that changes because I think the number of years And that... that's where the pressure comes on Pochettino. That's where the pressure comes to deliver quickly. And um I'm and yeah, I I just don't know. Don't know. Yeah. So bad result for the blues, but a, a great one certainly for uh for We're brilliant for Forrest. Yeah. Um and if Forrest keep going into general trajectory, uh, or if they can, you know, stay up again, um, they'll be vindicated in the decision to to keep their manager last season when it looked as if like he was he was the one guy down there that was constantly given reassurance that he would not be fired. And uh and he wasn't. And 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 Cooper has Steve Cooper has kind of he's the great survivor. I mean, how many times do we think, yeah, he's probably gonna be gone now? Last season. Nope. Still rolling. Still rolling. Uh, let's see, JJ. Liverpool, no trouble at all with Villa. No, I mean, this was, it was 3-0. It could have been 5-6. I mean, this, this was a pretty weak performance from Villa and a, uh, a, a very, a very Liverpool-like showing from them. Yeah. Um, it's one of those where you come out of it and you think, that was good, but you know, you you just shake your head at the opposition. Like Jim Beglin must have said it four, five times in commentary by 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 the by the hour mark. He did not think it would be. He thought it'd be much much tighter a game than this. Um, it was heartening to see how uh, Savage Light continues to be very very good. Early I, can early candidate for a goal of the season. It won't win it, but goals that look like that. Like it looks a little, it had a little bit of a feel of the Tiago goal from the Champions League a couple of years ago, the ball that like is smashed immediately into the ground and then just sort of levitates. You like that? Oh, it's so cool looking. Yeah, it like defies physics. The yeah, ball isn't really moving, but it's like levitating in air. It's I love the way it looks. I've still never seen anything quite like. I don't even think Sabers like I. It was. Of an ilk, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I still don't think I've ever seen anything like Tiago's because it was just a few inches off the ground. Like, it's levitating. Yes, it but is this levitating. was similar. Just, just the smash, the immediate smash into the ground to the point where you almost you can't instantly tell that it was hit into the ground. Yeah, it happened so quickly, and then it just it kind of stops rotating. Yeah, Liver- like Liverpool were all over them, and and Villa took. They didn't really settle into the game. They had a few half chances. Um, which you, you would expect, uh, but it was it was it was so easy. Um, and then, I mean, I thought Salah was brilliant as well. 
you know, Opta Joe tweeted this 10 plus Mohamed Salah is the first player to score or assist in 10 consecutive appearances in the Premier League since Mohamed Salah between August and December of 2021, 15 games in a row. Priceless. I mean, if well, we'll find out about that if he, if well, he is no. in fact priceless. Uh, he well, it was weird afterwards because the the football experts then switched to being body language experts, and and I honestly, I was kind of looking at it myself. His his embrace with Klopp after the game was kind of eh. I mean, he may still be annoyed that he was taken off it's time for a bridge in like that after 75 minutes or whatever it was bill oh god get over i it. don't know he he just it wasn't it wasn't terribly warm now maybe i'm reading too much into it but because we're he's all he's, paranoid he sometimes is hard to read i feel like we've known him now for many years he's one of those prominent figures in in the premier league of this era and in the history of the league with what he's done i'm not sure i know what he sounds like like he's not Salah. a guy. Yeah, like I feel like he's not a guy that you really. I can hear his voice, <laughs> but I watch Liverpool content, you know. So, um, and I also watched endless videos of them playing soccer tennis in preseason. So I feel as if I I know all of their voices and shouts. Uh, but yeah, it was. I don't have a ton to say about this game except it was. It was comfortable, and then we saw Darwin Nunez. I'm ride or die. You got to live with these games. Ooh. You got to live with these. But no, but even in one move, I can see bad and also good, good and also bad. <laughs> it's not just in one game. It's in one move. Like, so for the one where he, where he, uh, hit, um, was it, I think it's the, I think it's the move where he hit the crossbar. Okay. I'm not even sure. One, it's either for the, the crossbar or, or the, the, um, the own goal. goal. Yeah. In the midst of that, his first touch is terrible. Like he starts off the move, he's racing onto it. Salah can't touch it because he'd be offside. That so was I don't think that was the own goal. No. Okay, that was the one that he clips onto the cross. Exactly. That's it. It's the one he clips onto the crossbar. So they're breaking away. And his first touch is dreadful. It's so bad it goes back into Salah's path. So Salah takes the ball up, plays it into him. And then from an angle, it's the deftest little flick. No, it's it's not deft enough because he puts it onto the crossbar. But it's like that was really good. But it started off really bad. And then he has a header at the Anfield Road end. And he's absolutely score it. Like. And he doesn't. He puts it past the post. And I'm like... So people asked me, a couple of people tweeted me, so, so where are you now after the 90 minutes or after the finish again, the two goals against Newcastle and this, this start against Aston Villa? And I'm like... I don't know. <laughs> and that's okay, like, by the way. But I'm no, just telling you right I, now, if he was a stock, uh, my, I'm not taking money out. I'm still in. And I will be. I, I think his ability, like you said before, and, and maybe I'm just so used to, you know, machine-like performances, players being very, very smooth, technically very, very tight. Um, maybe maybe this is, this is the fault that I can't embrace things that are messy. I like if it was art, I guess I want something very rigid, clearly formed. And this guy is like just like Jackson Pollock, which is throwing paint everywhere. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah, that's kind of it. But yeah, good. nice win. Trent Alexander Arnold was fantastic in this game. Um, unfortunately, he came off with an injury, 
I know he was left off the England squad. Uh, I don't know the full extent of it. Um, hopefully it's nothing too serious, but um, he was, yeah, he was, he's had a couple performances this season where I was like, eh, I don't know what's, what's going on there. And then today in that game over the weekend, you see him and you're like, yeah. You... Fantastic. He has a slight, uh, very slight hamstring tear, but um, it's, it's enough that it should, should heal in time. So, and with the international break, he, sh- he should be okay. Uh, let's see a couple others, JJ, a few, uh, it's a big hat trick weekend in the league. Three of them. Was it ever three of them to oh. be exact? Well, let's start with the one that has you just giddy like a schoolboy. Oh, it's so good. Evan it's Ferguson, so good. Evan Ferguson, um, with a hat trick at just 18 years of age against Newcastle. Um, he, he put up JJ a 9.96 who scored rating in this Oof. one. Against a club that's supposed to have a, a stingy defense. Uh, you know, that's kind of one of Newcastle's hallmarks, but not in this one. Fantastic second goal, taking advantage of the fact nobody from Newcastle looking to close him down. So he's just like, all right, well, uh, if you insist. Um, it's still from like 25 yards, he whips one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, so I wasn't watching it. I was keeping an eye whenever he starts you're like I get excited and um, and when I heard about the hat trick you know the third one obviously wasn't wasn't exactly the pick of the bunch but whatever I was just it's amazing like the first 18 year old hat trick in Premier League since Michael Owen 25 years ago it, that is that is absolutely truly special Um, the first goal I, I just I will just say that I know you've got your bugbears with Penyankis and certain things players do that you hate. Sandro Tonali would never play for me again in the lead up to this goal. Wow. Never play for me again. Just, just so half-assed. So his clearance is pathetic. The ball's already pinging around in the box and he just flicks. He goes, eh, this weak limb. Like, just, just, dire little little flick like the lack of pair and it breaks to Billy Gilmore and instead of like okay you didn't clear it properly at least charge it down at least make it hard for Gilmore to get the shot off Andrew and you know me it's he just dangles a leg out it's pathetic and where where's the rigor and the excitement and the verve that we had from the first game where we thought Tonali was going to be one of the best signings like just Pathetic. Anyway, ball goes in, Pope spills it, and it's a it's it's a very good finish from like Ferguson. Now he should score it, but he he absolutely buries it. Um and the second goal. Can we can we just listen to the second goal, please? I need it. Ferguson. Evan Ferguson! Oh. Oh, brilliant. And the whole bench just kind of swamps the Jerby when it happens and and Ferguson just looks so happy. He looks so happy. Um nobody was as happy though, Andrew, as did you see that his his driving instructor from Brighton made a TikTok video for him saying how proud he was of him with pictures of him in his car giving him driving instructions. Huh. No, I missed that. Yeah. It's very sweet. It was very <laughs> nice. nice actually. Yeah. Um. I will. I promise. I will stop the Ferguson love fest in one second. But uh, I read this on Football Three Six Five, and it kind of blew me away. No player, not not no youth player, but no player has had more shots on target 
in Europe's top five leagues so far this season, despite the Irishman only playing half an hour from the bench of Brighton's first two games. That's unbelievable. Almost to the point, I'm almost suspicious. Like, uh, is that the full yeah, that's stat? that's the stat where you're like, how is that possible? In Europe's top five leagues, like Mbappe? No or... player has had more shots on target in Europe's top five leagues so far this season, despite the Irishman only playing half an hour from the bench of Brighton's first two games. That's an incredible stat. I, so I believe he, he had, really I, fl- I think he had four on target in this one. I, I, he scored from three. Um, wow. That's that's wild. Now, JJ, you know he was almost one of Yorks. Um, so I was I reading this that, in the Athletic. Uh, they were talking about how you know a lot of clubs had coveted this guy um, at a young age. He's still a young age, but uh, he said this. He said, "I went to Liverpool a few times. It's a good club, but you see so many boys at Liverpool just fading away, and there's no chance to get to the first team." I was thinking. Uh, so I was thinking, do I just want to play two years of under 18s and then go to under 23s and and go from there to where? So he saw no pathway. So he he actively no. chose Brighton um, over Liverpool. There were a, a bunch of clubs, big clubs were coveting him, but he he made the choice. He made a conscious decision to go to a, a quote unquote smaller club where he thought there'd be more of a pathway. And up to this point, he's been, I'd say he's been proven correct. It probably yeah. is true that there's a lot of great players out there, young players that are kind of taken in by like the, the the fanciness of some of these big clubs. But it may not be it may not be the way for a lot of these guys. Who knows what great talents we maybe have missed out on because they sort of get lost in the shuffle at a team that just is not looking to the youth system. Now there was their, special dispensa- there was special dispensation to get him signed from FIFA because of Brexit. Like technically, like he went to England at 14. That's not meant to be happening anymore because of uh, because of laws of travel within the within into the UK. It's no longer it's no longer a European law. So um, so it's even harder for Irish players to get over there. Once upon a time, uh, Andrew, the foreign players in in the English top flight were Irish players. So like it has changed an awful lot. So they made special dispensation uh, to get him over there. Um, do you know who he made a senior debut for? Who he made it for? Who he made it for and who and who it was against. Ah, uh, I don't. Okay. Well, you wouldn't really. And I, I wonder, does it count as a senior debut? I, I probably does. It was a friendly, preseason friendly for Bohemians. Hmm. He was 14 and he came on against Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Frank Lampard's first game in charge. Huh. How about that? Yeah. Now, if Todd Bowley, Todd Bowley is probably raging that he wasn't signed immediately after that. Yeah, but, uh, the one that got away. Yeah. Um, Anyways, um, we are very excited. Let's I, put it that way. I see that, as you should be. I mean, in terms of, of young Irish prospects, I don't know that you've had one quite like this in, in a long time. I mean, when Robbie Keane burst onto the scene at Wolves at like 17. But even then, Andrew, that was the championship he was playing. Also, like, I'm sorry, what year was that? It had to be like twenty-five years ago, nineteen ninety-seven. All right, yeah, we haven't been a while, a quarter of a century, is pretty much. All right, stop slagging us off. I'm just saying that this is a big deal, and you're and you're justified in being excited about it because it doesn't happen all that often. Um, I'm I'm pumped. Another one, precious boy, I call him. (laughs) Precious boy, that's your yeah. 
So, the, so my girlfriend asked me to stop saying it. Like when he comes on the TV, I just go, "Precious boy." <laughs> it's 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 creepy, and I should stop. Grown uh, man. Let's see another one of the hat tricks over the weekend. Hyungmin's son for Spurs. He's on the board after a bit of a little bit you know, for for all the the great attacking play we've seen from Tottenham in the early part of the season. Not a whole lot of it has come from Son until this day at Turf Moor and Burnley, where he was fantastic. Three goals on, I, I believe, just 27 touches. But it seems like that might just be sort of what Ange Ball is, that whoever that number nine is up front, it may it's it's kind of like a midfield-dominated way of playing uh, where those guys see, you know, Madison, Basuma, they see a ton of the ball. And then that number nine, you know, when they get their chances, they need to take them. And Son did beautifully in this game. Those goals were awesome. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Now, you can say since the Man United game, Spurs have had a kinder run with Bournemouth and, and Burnley, but again, time's gone by most recent times. I'm not guaranteeing myself that a Conte team that goes 1-0 down and Burnley is coming back to win. I'm just not. I do, There was never that level of confidence and I thought I thought Spurs scored, scored some beautiful goals. They really put you know, put it beyond Burnley. They Tottenham will get a hiding someday. Someone's going to hit gold against them, and they mm-hmm. will take a hiding. But I think Spurs fans are accepting of that, of that fact. Um, and they, if there's one position they're thin, it's definitely in the defensive area. But I thought that I thought they were great, and and Hyunmin San took his goal brilliantly. And what a boon it would be for Ange if if he's the answer, Andrew. So that's what I'm wondering now is. Okay, so they they moved him up front. Richarlison didn't play in this game. Like, how it seems a little bit difficult to justify going back to Richarlison. I'm not saying that like you're done with him, but they've just signed Brennan Johnson. If you move Son into that up front position, Brennan Johnson can. I mean, May, look, I, I'm taking Maynard Solomon out of the lineup. He had two assists in this game. Um, but Brennan Johnson costs a lot of money. If you want him to play, he can go into that spot that now Sun would vacate and you you just move forward. And Richarlison, I, I don't know if you look at him as a sunk cost or some kind of instant offense off the bench. I don't know, but I, I, it seems like they have something here that I don't know that I would I would leave all that quickly. Um, beyond that, though, uh, James Madison continues to just be brilliant. I mean, just an incredible signing so far for them. Scored a great goal in this game, another one of those kind of goals. Um, oh, like we were talk- talking about with Ferguson before, you know, if, if no one's going to come out and, and stop me here, I mean, James Madison gets that ball and just so much space opens up. Uh, you could tell it was one of those that you felt was going in well before it left his foot. Um, but yeah, and good he tried good- that earlier in the first half and it forced a really good save from the Burnley keeper. Yeah. Um, you know, he generated so much power. It's brilliant strike. He, good day. he looks so happy. He's yeah. settled in so quickly. He really or feels has. like he has. He really has. But a, a good day for Spurs. And what you said before is very true. They went down quickly, one nil. But I don't know. Sometimes, like be, that sort of deficit can be discouraging in in different ways. I mean, obviously you don't want to go down a goal, but I, I saw that happen. And I was kind. Of, my instant reaction was like, "Oh, come on." Well, it's not ending one nil. So let's see where we go from here. Like I, there are, there's goals. Like you know, there's going to be goals, and so you, and you're going to try and attack now. Yeah, it's not well, like, uh oh, we have to try and attack now. Right. It's just a lot, co- it's a lot more fun. We haven't covered that under Doctor Mourinho. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. And then finally, no surprise here, Erling Holland. He does it again. I, I said Son had, I think, three goals on 27 touches. Holland had three on just 17. 
Um, but he, once again, he, he makes the most of his opportunities and it's uh, another, yet another hat trick for the Norwegian. He's, uh, he's ridiculous. Um, he is ridiculous. Do you know what? I, I did not see any of the city Fulham game. Nothing. Um, the only, I didn't really have much to say about him other than he's ridiculous, but the, um, look, you know, me, you know, that I, I don't hate VAR the way many people out there do. I try to be fair with it. And so if I'm going to be fair, I got to say right now, I don't know what the hell happened on the goal with, with Akanji's interference. I don't understand it. I don't know how that can be allowed to happen in a VAR world. It's a huge, it's a, it's a very big black mark against it. Um, I don't get it. I I don't know. Like some, look, sometimes I acknowledge that that call of like what is or isn't offside interference with a goalkeeper, like I, those can be tight sometimes. This yes. one wasn't. Like there are definitely moments where I'm like, you know what? I don't know. Whatever they choose, I'm good with. This was one was like, well, that's coming back. I don't know how that can be allowed to go on. If that's not, then nothing is. Now, in the time since, it is. Like that was the wrong call. Everyone, every official officiating analyst that you read says it was an egregiously poor call. And and the fact that Varden overturn it or at least having them go look at it is is inexcusable. Um, I mean, look, Manchester, they won five, one, they're probably going to go on and win that game anyway. But if you're Fulham, like you need, a, you need a lot to go your way. Um, you, you, you certainly don't need a blow like that when it's one, one, and you're, you're right at halftime. You're right there. You can feel it. You can almost touch it. What were they in like three minutes deep in, in first half added time. That mm. was just such a brutal blow for Fulham to go into the locker room like that with a goal that was just in, right away felt like such an injustice. So, yeah, I mean, as a guy on this show who was probably viewed as a as pro var, I will always be honest with you. That was that was terrible. That was a bad a bad moment, certainly. Um, but still, City. I mean, they probably go on and win, but you never know. You never know. Um, let's see, JJ. How about we? How about we do this? Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do a little bit of analysis of um, the transfer window. A couple winners, couple losers, that sort of thing. And um, yeah, still uh, still some fun stuff to do here on, on the pod. More caught offside to come. Don't go anywhere. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now on... Caught offside. Uh, JJ, before we get to our, our little transfer window winners and losers, um, I did a little of a uh, little observing of the animals over the past couple days on the oh. Reddit page, which I, once mm. again, I, I can't stress enough. I encourage everyone out there who's, who enjoys this podcast. You got to get on the caught offside Reddit page. There's Join the community. A lot of fun. There's a lot going on in there. 
Um, but I, I saw this and I wanted to bring it up to you from your, your good friend, actually, Emerald Toffee. Um, ah. he, uh, so he writes, I need to know Andy's opinion on taking jerseys off, celebrating goals and getting yellow. Seems like something manager Andy would have as one of his rules. Personally, if I was a manager and a player of mine scores a goal and takes their shirt off and gets a yellow, I'm taking you off immediately. Don't care what time in the game you're gone, gone. Uh, he goes on to talk about over the weekend, Leo Chu for the Sounders on Saturday, scoring an amazing solo goal in the 30th, takes his shirt off while celebrating, yellow card, gets a second yellow in the 53rd, Sounders go down to 10 men, give up a two-goal lead, absolutely unacceptable. <sighs> Taking shirt off for celebrating goal. It's it, So at this point, I would say, to answer the question, it's not one of my rules. However, oh. However, if I were... I'll say this, I'll put it under review, and I'm leaning heavily towards Emerald Toffee's side of this. There's no reason for it, especially early in the game. Now, I would make, he says there's never a time for it. I would consider a special dispensation, like when Messi scored that famous goal against Real Madrid and just walked over and held, it's so iconic. Like, what kind of what kind of monster would I be if I... If I hated that moment, it's just the coolest thing I've ever seen. You will be a thief of an iconic moment. I'd love you to be that guy, though. It's too cool. Sorry, Lionel, I've canceled your contract. (laughs) It's too cool of a moment. So I do think that I would make a special dispensation for game winners in like the 93rd or later when like there's no harm other than yellow card accumulation over the course of several matches, perhaps, but in terms of like within a game, getting two yellows, there's a certain point where you realize that's not going to happen. There's not enough time left. So I think if it's like, if you do it in a goal score to win a game in the 88th or later, I think I'm okay with it. But JJ, I think anything from like the first to the 85th, somewhere around there, there's no, there's absolutely no reason to do it. There's so many ways to get hype and celebrate. I don't know why you have to do that. So it's under review, but I'm leaning in Emerald Toffee's direction. God, you just be, you'd be such a manager. I, I want you to manage a team just for a year, cameras to follow you, so we can just ex- assess what it would be like to be under you. Yeah, I have no tactical plan, but I just have a few, <laughs> I have a few rules that we're all going to follow. You'll say, your speech would be, you young men may not win many games, but by the end of this season... You'll be better people. You'll also be relegated. Thanks. Good night. And you will have perfected the inswinger. Yeah. Do you have a stance on this? I I don't honestly. I I I I saw it. I read it. I was like, huh. Um, I don't think. I know some people might see it as a slippery moral slope, but I actually I don't care. I don't think there should be a law about taking your shirt off. I okay. I do not think it uh, it brings. Uh, brings football brings the game into disrepute i so i mean so that i I actually kind of agree with you on that however that's irrelevant it is a rule and you know if you do it you're getting a yellow card well then then i would i would actually apply andy's rules lay it on if it's a troy deeney scenario yeah that name's come up again where he whipped off his against leicester in the playoff semi-final no problem anything else unacceptable if he'd done that earlier and then missed like the final few moments or missed penalties because he got a second yellow card and he was sent off. I won't have that. That's yeah. that's not good enough. Can't happen. Speaking of that Troy Deeney goal, by the way, I recently saw it might have been, was it on Men in Blazers? I forget where, but um, Fabrizio Romano 
was interviewed and he was asked who who do you support like we don't we we only know him as like a news breaking bot like he's barely no. human um, no. but he says he supports Watford because of that moment he was you know wow. relatively young and that moment left he he already kind of liked them uh cuz they what was he saying they had italian ownership Gianfranco Zola was their manager so he already had kind of a soft spot for them and then that moment just like completely left such an impression on him that Watford is his club Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Also on the Reddit page, there is a there is a Man United fan who's just had enough of the club, and he just lists all the reasons why he's just so you know heed off with the club. And then a Chelsea fan said, "I don't know. Am I just out on the season? Am I just going to accept that the season was bad?" Um, and, and I'm like, "Look, it's all relative. If you've got something to moan about, supporting any club." moan away but when you see man united and particularly chelsea supporters saying i've had enough what no i i don't know if i agree with you i oh, think I, agree. I think those clubs i think if you're a fan of especially chelsea right now you can moan away what are you supposed oh, to yeah, be I'm happy you can't i'm never saying you can't moan i mean i would defend your right to moan always and football is I would say maybe 54 percent moaning anyway regardless of who you support mm-hmm. but i just think you have to have the self-awareness. Like, okay, you want to quit on your team, except it's going to be a bad season after three games. I don't know, man. Like, you've just your owners just spent a billion dollars. It may not be working out perfectly, but you want to stick in and stay engaged with it to see how this works out. You know, oh, I'm not telling quit. You can't quit. I especially this. I mean, we're like a month in. No, you yeah. can't quit. But like, be be upset, be frustrated. Yeah, I just imagine fine. a Bolton Wanderers fan reading those threads and being like, "You guys do yeah, not." Yeah, but know that's how... that's not fair though. That's like saying when the Buffalo Bills lost four straight Super Bowls, they shouldn't have been upset. Hey, at least you're in the Super Bowl. Well, it's not about not being upset. It's just being. I wouldn't start, you know, dramatically posting how how terrible things are. Uh, you know what? Do I'm okay with it. Post it. You I'm know okay what? With it, it makes makes good content. I'm okay with it. Yeah, Everybody. I take back everything I just said. Um, right. What are we doing here? Actually, Tell me what real we're quick, doing next. I should say while we're while we're going through things from the animals, this is so quick. But I saw a few of them had a question that um, about the podcast itself, the technical side of it, and they noted something that is true. They said, "How come somebody asked the question of why is it every once in a while JJ's voice appears to speed up?" Oh, and and I would tell them that is not a figment of your imagination. That is a thing that happens. It has to do with the internet connection, and every once in a while JJ's internet stutters, and that's like that's the connection catching up and so it speeds it compresses his audio and it speeds it back up to get live back to live real time and and i I, the reason that's happening is because i'm not uh i bought a new laptop and it doesn't have the um ethernet connection once you connect straight to the ethernet generally those problems are taken away so i am operating off wi-fi but i will get the connector to connect to the Ethernet, and that problem should be fixed. So, yeah. So, I just wanted to mention that because I saw a few people ask that question, and I thought, you know what? I, I have the answer. I shouldn't keep it to myself. They deserve to know. So, there you go. That's It's just an Internet thing, and it's catching up back to live again. What are we doing now? So, uh, the transfer window is shut, mostly. There's still, obviously, a couple windows. Like, I saw Tottenham today, I think, loaned out Ndombele and Davinson Sanchez um, to the Turkish League. Was it to Galatasaray, I think? Um so you might still see some moves, most notably Mo Salah. I was reading, JJ, that uh, 
apparently a 218 million pound bid is being readied and and Liverpool might be calling a a conference call early in the morning. By the time you're listening to this, something may have happened. Oh um, no. But they're they're calling for a meeting basically with Jurgen Klopp uh, apparently will be a part of it. And I, I feel good, like good. I, well, yeah, I, I just feel like that meeting is it's going to be what I said last week, where it's going to be John Henry, who has spent a lot of money recently on players up front, Gakpo, Darwin Nunez, Luis Diaz, um, Diago Jota is up front. Like he, he spent a lot of money to boost that part of the field. And he's going to look at it and say, OK, someone here has got to tell me why I shouldn't take 218 million for a 31 year old when I spent all this money on guys who conceivably could replace him. And Klopp is going to scream and smash his computer into a thousand pieces to try to scare John Henry into keeping Salah a Liverpool player for at least the rest of the season. That's my Um, prediction. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just FSG's complete and total dream. to like win everything with this guy for him to be score just bagfuls of goals, having paid that amount of money, and then to get like when he turns thirty-one, to get like two hundred million for him. it's it's everything that they could possibly. I mean, want. it's an obscene amount of money, just it's ridiculous, ridiculous. just ridiculous. absolutely ridiculous. So we'll see if they hold their nerve. I mean, the, Saudi Arabia they're they're now getting into the funny money here, where it becomes uh, like it becomes harder and harder to to turn away that sort of outlay for a thirty-one-year-old player, but. You know, Liverpool are obviously better with him, so we'll see. But like I said, by the time you're listening, who knows? Something might have happened. But that aside, because we don't know the resolution there yet, uh, just of the things that have happened, a couple losers, a couple winners for this window. Um, Can I start with my loser? Sure. Yeah, uh, I have two losers. Everton's my second loser. I don't need to go into details as to why that might be the case. Now, Beto may prove me wrong. That was the only reason I, I was going to include them, but yeah. only because of the goal he scored in the Carabao Cup. I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to hold judgment. But but otherwise, it's been a shocking window. Absolutely shocking. And 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 even Beto may not be enough to, to save that window. The other one is Leeds United. Mm, I was reading, um, yeah, I was reading Phil Hay. Now they're, they're, they find themselves at the wrong end of the championship after a few games. They're like in 14th or 15th position. But, I mean, there's time to remedy that. Uh, but Phil Hay was saying that this was a summer they will not want to repeat. So he he did he did the list of things that went wrong transfer wise in the window. So Tyler Adams, a U.S. men's national team poster boy, threatening legal action as leverage for a post relegation move back to the Premier League with Bournemouth. Max Wolber promising to stick around for as long as it took him to find a way out. Willie Nanto threatening to go by any means necessary, whether he had the right to or not. Luis Sinistera challenging the legalities of his release clause hard enough to force a dramatic loan to Dean Court, which is um, Bournemouth last night. Max Ahrens being led to water only to take a sip and promptly sawed off. Another Bournemouth jab in the ribs. And Amiri, so this was going to be their signing from Leverkusen, uh, traipsing down the main thoroughfare in Leeds City Centre, waiting to book a plane to carry him back to Leverkusen. He came, Was Leeds said, all right, you're here. Private jet flown over. The 49ers paid for it. They're like, Okay, we're ready to sign you. And then he lists all these demands that suddenly came out of the woodwork. And Leeds are like, no, we're not doing this. And so they told him to go home. Uh, but the private jet that was took him out here would not be flying him home. <laughs> oh, wow. No, good for them. Yeah. So that has been a 
yeah that's been a window leads oh my god nothing ever easy happens at that club you go uh let's see yeah two quick ones jj i guess my peter odom wingy award winner for this transfer window <laughs> would be uh jao Paulinha. now it's not exactly the oh, same but like no, well, i mean like we same. like we <laughs> it's not quite as embarrassing but still like we said the other day he's 28 so his opportunities for a a big move to a mega club are kind of growing smaller by the season now. And he thought yep. this was it. He flew to Bayern. There was an agreed upon price. He had his medical. He took pictures, JJ. Oh, if nothing no. else, the pictures are always supposed to be the thing that seals the deal. But no, after all that, it, it fell apart. Fulham felt that they didn't have a suitable replacement lined up. And so they killed it. Oh my God! And so in, tr- in and then in true Gen Z fashion, he then Paulina Jao Paulina then immediately <laughs> removed Fulham from his Instagram bio and changed his picture to him in a Portugal street. <laughs> uh. So Fulham left him out of the squad, of course, for the Manchester City match because they didn't think his head was in it. I'm sure. And cool then he left the WhatsApp them. group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so he he acted out. You know, he he's he lashed out. He's angry. A lot of teenage angst and. um he you know, went his, to his room and started listening to Nirvana really loud. Yep. Um, his brother, who represents him, said that Fulham haven't killed the dream but postponed it. Uh, so we'll see. My guess is something will still happen. Um, but Fulham just, they couldn't they couldn't let go. They wouldn't allow it to happen, um, despite the fact that it appeared done. And then in the, the 11th hour, late in the 11th hour, they said, actually, nah, <laughs> nah. That's tough. Like, My I mean, God. Like, look, I don't, I don't know. Like, what world are we in where Fulham are, are are tweaking the nose of Bayern Munich like this? I mean, it just goes to show you the power of the Premier League. I guess so, but like, I, I don't know how I feel about like removing the club from your Instagram profile. Like, okay, fine. Does that make you feel better? Like, are you sending some kind of message? However, I I do understand his his frustration in this situation. It's so childish. Uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. Very Gen Z. Um, and then my other one, JJ is wolves. I'm just going to read some names here. Uh, Mateus Nunez, Ruben Neves, Connor Cody, Nathan Collins, Raul Jimenez, João Moutinho, Adama Traore, Diego Costa, just to name a few. Those are all the players that have left wolves in this window. Those are huge names. Mm-hmm. And who did they bring in with all that cash? You might ask. Matt Doherty on a free Enzo Gonzalez, Bubakar Triore. Like none of these guys were in the starting 11 over the weekend. None are expected to be all that impactful. What are they? Do- what is going on here? What are they like? You see this and it's like Julian Lopetegui. Yeah. You know what? I get it. I get it. Why he was like, nah, I'm good. I don't need this. This is yeah. your transfer policy in this window. Bye. But what are you setting me up for? For like certain relegation? No, I'm out. I mean, this is like uh, the names that they allowed to leave on on huge, some of them huge amounts of money. Nunez, Ruben Neves, like those were those were huge. I think those two combined was a hundred million pounds, fifty three and forty seven. I think. I mean, like, what are they doing? And it's going to be much harder for them to to be the the staging post for just a few uh, players in in England if they're going to be in the championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Certainly. By the way, I should say uh, one other thing from from the Reddit page. Oh, I got, I got this noon. Yeah. So the, the I got this from King Rui Costa. The, the pronunciation pol- pronunciation police, JJ, they were out Ugh, and the they, they, pulled, they pulled me over. 
Uh, King Rui Costa says, can someone tell Andrew that Portuguese people don't pronounce their names like we are Spanish? Mateus Nunes is pronounced Nunes, not Nunes, Nunes. Um, now, I'll say this quickly about it. I don't want to go too deep here. I have mixed feelings on this kind of stuff because ultimately, like, people do deserve to have their names pronounced correctly. Like, I, I, I respect that. However, we know in this sport, different dialects, different accents might say names a little bit differently. So I got to ask you, what am I supposed to do with this? Mateus Nunes. Mateus Nunes is how it's said in Portuguese. So in English, rather similarly, you don't have a TH sound. Mateus, Mateus Nunes. So, so what do I do here, JJ? Like, it, like if 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 we're all saying it wrong, even the guy who's who's on YouTube for this very thing, so we're all wrong. So, so if you're going to be the pronunciation police, is this this is how you want to spend your time watching soccer? Just getting mad at everybody who's saying it a little bit wrong. Like, are they all wrong and he's right? I, I don't know what to do here. Help me. I remember I remember the guy who uh, it was not Reddit. It was somewhere else. Uh, oh, it was Twitter a few years ago when uh, when Zhao Linchon signed for Newcastle. I called him Joe Linton, which mm-hmm. everyone else calls him and continues to call him to this day. <laughs> and the guy goes, actually, no, it's Joe Linton. And, and then he does this, showed me on Twitter. And then yeah. I pulled up Zhao Linchon, his pronunciation from when he was in Germany. He He said his name and... It's, it sounded nothing like what the guy said. And the guy said, oh, oh, that doesn't sound like what I thought it was at all. I said, exactly. And also, I, I've got my Irish accent, my West of Ireland Irish accent. Things are going to sound different, no matter how hard I try. And also, sometimes you, like, every single commentator says, Jordan Shakiri. I have Albanian friends who've told me that it's Jordan Shakiri. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get a upset if you know what I mean like it's fine yeah we can't I do think this. as long as the effort is no we can't like and and like I long since gave up on Matt Doherty Doherty what does everyone else call him in England to a man Doherty just you have to get on with life it's 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 as long as the effort is genuine and there's no deliberate reason uh, there's no deliberate like you know mispronunciation then what do you care yeah. and by the way my name's been mangled forever. oh you're you're devaney to i'd say 98 percent of the american population absolutely and and i it doesn't matter i've been on uh been on espn national radio and i don't know how many times the producer asked me is it devaney or devaney and i will say devaney and i can guarantee you that host is introducing me as devaney yeah and i've got over it it's fine yeah. I mean, I try, like, even when I still hear Pulisic sometimes. All right, fine. Like, there's just so many, I don't know. There's a lot of things to get annoyed about. I just, I can't, the pronunciation police is one something no, in this sport with, that is so global and so international. I'm not saying, if you want to tell people to educate them, that's fine. But there's, I don't know, sometimes I just, whether he meant it with smugness or not, I read it in a smug tone. <laughs> I can't help it. There's people so, who take unnecessary joy. Anyway, yeah. come on. This is All holding right. up our winners. I know. All right. So uh, the winners, I, I have two. You want to give yours? Yeah, I'll give mine. I, I'll quickly brighten. Any okay. window where you sign James Milner and Ansu Fati together is amazing. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, Ansu Fati plays for Brighton and Hull Valbian. What world are we living in? It's crazy. What insanity. And then um, one from outside the Premier League. Napoli. Oh. Victor Oshiman and Kavicha Kavarachkalia. Probably got that wrong pronunciation, please. Are still there. Despite all the money sloshing around football this summer. Oshiman and Kavarachkalia are still there. How about that? Pretty incredible. Interesting. So one of your winners was a club just not for who they bought, but simply for who they didn't lose. Yeah, and often right. that's the case, I feel. Yeah. Um, let's see. Mine, these are not creative, or or <laughs> this is so obvious. Inter-Miami. I'm like, if there was another oh. team out there that... Well, it, it's oh. just... Sim- but in in the span of a transfer window, JJ, they went. From, yeah, why didn't every team break league rules to get saying, in the triumvirate from one of the greatest club teams in the history of football? Yeah, they why went didn't from they? being arguably the worst team in the league to the best in a window. If you can identify another time for me where that's happened before in any league, I'm all ears. But in one transfer window to go from being the worst to the best. Giorgio Chiellini, what a game. What an incredibly fun game between Inter-Miami and LAFC over the weekend. God, I enjoyed that. Amazing stuff. Chiellini said afterwards, again, this is Inter-Miami, who a month ago were the worst team in, in the Eastern Conference. Um, he says that is uh, that team is the best by far that I faced in MLS, to be honest. By far. They're in well, a situation of course where, it is. where it's not easy to reach the playoffs, but I bet on it. Not bet really, but I, I think they will join the playoffs and I don't want to be in the first seed in the East because you reach to face Miami in the first round and you're first or second, then it's not so good. But this is the best team by far. Just, it's like, it's just the idea of it all is just hilarious to me. Um, so that's mine. But a couple of things off of this, by the way, Chiellini, first off, I, I was just reminded that he's 39, which is how old I am. And that is horrifying. Because if you told me he was 79, I'd believe it. I can't believe I'm the same age as that guy. I just can't. It's crazy. It's he's got epic more, crazy. He's got, you look like a well kind of manicured, well moisturized suburban man. Whereas <laughs> he looks like he's come down from a mountain after wrangling a goat. Um, but just on that game the other night, cause it was, cause it was just such a fun one. You know, we're talking a lot about Darwin Nunez and his opportunities. If Darwin Nunez needs a little confidence boost, he should just put on the highlight reel of Denny Buanga's performance from this game. I, it's as, I mean, again, like I'm somebody who values strikers who are in and around the action. In so, and around the football club. So it would be hard for me to tear into his performance, but JJ, it tested it. Simply, be, some of it too is like there were moments, and Carlos Vela, you could see lost. I think it was Vela oh, who lost, lost his, his mind, mind with him. when Buanga probably should have just laid it off to Vela, and he decides I'm going to take it myself. And the ball, he misses the net. It goes off the like the boards behind the goal and bounces back into the field of play, and Vela just smashes it into the stands. He's so annoyed, um, you know, because they, God knows, they had opportunities, but the score it's three nil late. I mean, they they got the late consolation goal to make it three one. Um, but, you know, Messi, once again, was fantastic. John McCarthy, Messi should have scored. McCarthy made an incredible save on him. Um, which uh, which was reacted to with great joy by Selena Gomez. Yeah. yeah joy and bewilderment. She was like, uh, you know, it seemed as if she thought Messi should definitely score that, right? He should. Uh, I, I don't know how he, he didn't. It was an incredible the save. Guest list to ce- the guest list of celebrities was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, that, that was a star-studded event. A, a veritable yeah. who's who. As they say, yeah, but, including former British royalty. 
So. Yeah. Yeah. Prince Harry. Um, Will Ferrell, Jason Sudeikis, everybody. Well, I mean, I wouldn't hate it, but Sudeikis is at every game he can go to. And uh, Ferrell's Beard, a part owner, so. Yeah, so like, but there was there was like some serious big hitters. Toby Maguire was there. Um, Yeah, it was, I suppose, that that's the, that's the Messi effect. Well, really yes. fun game. Couple assists for Messi. Um, Campana scored, easy. scored, a, so easy. scored a really nice goal being set up. It's, I mean, they, they're ridiculous. Uh, so I'm, yeah, a f- and, I'm a few games out from where I wish someone's going to absolutely kick him. Like seriously for just for the stop being emasculated every single game. Someone's got to do something. I'm sure the guys have wanted to, but they can't catch up to him. He's and they're also, like, they're also like, um, they're in awe of him. Uh, they're in absolute <laughs> awe of him. Um, and then my other one, I just wanted to, I felt like I couldn't let this pod go by without mentioning Real Madrid. A lot of, a lot of transformational talents moved around this summer. Kane went to Bayern, but like, are any going to be quite as transformational as what 20 year old Jude Bellingham is, is doing right now at Real Madrid? It's unbelievable. Uh, they're atop the league of four wins and four, and he's undoubtedly just shown up and been their best player which is so scary when you think of the talent that's on that side. He's got five goals in four games. He scored a 95th minute winner over the weekend in his first game at the Bernabeu against Getafe. And you see the way the fans have responded to him. He's like a God already. Yeah. Um, the headlines in newspapers, uh, it's all him. I mean, he he has shown up at Real Madrid, maybe the most prestigious club in the world. And he's already an icon. Now he's got to sustain it, but is there anything that would tell you he won't? I mean, I'm. We all knew he was great when he showed up in England at, at like 19 and, and was like their best player. It's like, okay, yeah. this is this is something. But to do it at Real Madrid at 20, um, unbelievable. So, I you know, yeah, they, nice they spent a ton, but but to get that sort of transformational talent, I mean, that's that's a winner to me. How not? Uh, absolutely. How nice is it for Luka Modric, 38 year old or whatever he is? He's got he's got two money. Kamavinga and Jude Bellingham to do the running for him. Yeah, right? Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Uh so there you go. I'm sure there's tons of others, obviously, that you know we we could have mentioned, thought about mentioning, uh, but didn't. So feel free by all means, if you have winners or losers from this window, um, please let us know. Twitter at CO Soccer Pod, uh the Reddit page, caught offside. Uh Instagram is what, JJ? At caught offside pod. Okay. Um, and caught offside pod at gmail.com as well. Um, I don't have much else. That's a, that's a full pod right there. Should we not say that we're doing our jump to conclusions soon? Midweek. Midweek. Right? Feels like a midweek. Exciting. I think this, I think this weekend is going to skew a lot of things. Well, the U S have, uh, the U S are in action. Conma bowl world cup qualifying is, uh, can you believe that? Boy, qualification in that country, you gotta you gotta earn it. Yeah, you definitely do. God. In that I, I mean in that continent. Think, I can't even start to contemplate. Stop it. It's too much football. <laughs> but we love it. That's why we're yeah. here. So yeah, look keep your eyes open for uh, a jump to conclusions pod. That's always one of our favorites of the year. Do you have any in mind already? I haven't really I haven't thought of my conclusions yet. I'm sure once I sit down and give it some thought, they'll come quickly, but I, I don't I haven't have actually because some some of the things I predicted for the season kind of is falling into place a bit. Okay, already those can so. still be conclusions. Yeah, we'll see. 
that we can jump to. Yeah, we'll we'll all see. We'll all find out together in real time. I might spec- watch Office Space ju- just because I want. It's an excuse to watch it to yeah. get me ready. Been a while since I've seen it. It's a classic, great movie. Oh, hey, so good. I I got nothing else, JJ. I enjoyed this thoroughly as I always do. To you, I say noons. Oh God, I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.